This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 659. Something that's big is we give our entire team so much freedom in the sense that if they ever need anything, if they ever want to take a trip, they don't even, they, they can ask us, but they really don't even need to. It's, it's, it's done. It's just, it's done. So, I mean, you know, there'll be times when, um, you know, anyone on our team, they can, they can say, this is, this is coming up. This is going to do this. Perfect. You're gone. Have fun. Enjoy it. Enjoy your time with the family. And so we've made sure that everyone knows how, how important it is to us that they get their, their time with their family. What's going on, everyone? This is David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, the best real estate podcast in the world by far. I'm here joined today by my co-host, Rob Abasolo, wearing a John Maher t-shirt. The first time I've seen him in a printed tee or anything that isn't just a plain black tee that he got out of a plastic package at Costco. Rob, tell me, what do I owe the honor of this privilege to? Okay, I'll give you I'll give you the truth here. All right, so look, I used to be a big graphic tee guy, and then people on the channel would be like, where'd you get your shirts? And then I, re- I watched this video that was like, why I wear this? Why I wore the same shirt for the last two years? And I was like, man, that's a great concept. I'm gonna wear a black pocket tee every single day. And uh, then I moved to Houston, and everything is hot, and literally all my black pocket tees are like drenched in the laundry basket right now because I've been filming content outside. So uh, you know, part of it is it's laundry day, but also I think it's time to bring back the pocket tees. I think I'm gonna just I'm gonna start reintroducing that in the wild here. So you're doing that thing where you try really hard to look like you're not trying hard by wearing black pockets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, it was a it was a game for a long time because I was really trying to find the best black the best black pocket tee. So it wasn't from Costco. You know, I really I went to some pretty uh, niche online stores to find them, and I think I did. And you know, also I had a kid, and I'll tell you what, black pocket tee while having a kid who's always spitting up was just. A really bad idea. So I lost a lot of good shirts due to my son Rook, but that's all right. You know, I'm rebuilding still. Well, on the topic of games, that's a great segue into today's show. Rob and I are going to be interviewing Luke Rotvold, a wholesaler, cold caller, and real estate investor who is crushing it in the Phoenix area. Luke's got a great system of getting properties under contract, wholesaling or flipping them, and then taking those profits and then putting them into multifamily real estate where he is building up his cash flow. Kind of a cool little system of moving money along a conveyor belt, amplifying it every step. And part of the success to Luke's system is turning boring, menial, and routine tasks into something fun by using games. He's known online for getting people under contract and speaking with leads online in his wholesaling business while playing Madden. And he's taken those principles and applied applied them to his company where he keeps his team members engaged and motivated by turning things into a game. I thought this was fascinating, really smart, and a way to try to take work and make it fun. Rob, what were some of your favorite parts of today's show? It's always interesting to find out people's systems, right? And his his system here, the gamifying everything, is, is really cool. And you could think, oh, well, you know, that that may not work for everybody. But when you actually look at his business, he told us he was doing 75 flips a year, and about 110 deals a year in total. And I think that's really impressive. So it's really really fun to dive into the psychology of this and basically how to make every little aspect that could be looked at as a menial thing fun and challenging in a good way. So I I, I think we'll learn a lot about the, the way you can set a culture in your company too and how to make that somewhat of its own game as well. Absolutely. This is a really fun show. So I would recommend everybody who's listening to this one to just share it with somebody else because this is one of those things that makes people think, hey, real estate investing actually can be kind of cool. It can be kind of fun. It's not just a grind. And it's not just this crazy scatterbrain, just run around and do a million things. There actually is some intentionality that you need to embrace to make some progress. And we talk a lot about progress in this show and how important that is to the human experience to stay motivated. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability. With Plaid certified tenant income and assets reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. All tenant screening and verification is paid by the tenant and done through the desktop and mobile app. 
It's time to say goodbye to gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. And as a matter of fact, all Bigger Pockets pros have Rent Ready included in your pro membership. If you're not a pro, Rent Ready is offering you 50% off of their annual plan. New customers visit rentready.com and use code BP2024. That's R E N T R E D I.com using code BP2024. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, in the year 2024 to save 50% off of one year of Rent Ready. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from Price for Life offer and may be increased. The easiest way to collect rent? Rent app. RentApp is a seamless, secure, free payment tool for small rental property owners like you and me. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit rent directly into your account. Landlords love RentApp for its unbeatable convenience. Isn't it time you made rent collection easier? RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app landlord. That's rent.app landlord. Before we bring in Luke, today's quick tip is... Look for ways to gamify your own life. Are you trying to get in better shape? Are you trying to build your cash flow? Are you trying to build your net worth? What are your goals? Are you trying to build a team? Find these principles that would work for you, that motivate you, and apply them to business. I'm a firm believer that business does not have to be different than your personal life. What works for you in your personal life will usually work for you in business. So look for a way to bring those two things together. And speaking about having fun, Go to biggerpockets.com slash events and get your tickets to BPCon 22. It's going to be in San Diego, one of the nicest areas that I've ever been to, and it's going to be a blast. Rob's going to be there, and he might even be wearing one of his black pocket tees. <laughs> it's almost guaranteed, and uh, I hear, I hear David, you're going to be giving the, the, the keynote there, so a real special treat for anyone that's joining. I think we're, we're not sold out yet, but I think by the... Pretty soon, it'll be sold out. So you'll definitely want to grab your tickets. Again, that's biggerpockets.com slash events. And you just got Rob's Garen Black Pocket Tea. All right, without any more ado, let's bring in Luke. Luke Rotvold, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, we're excited to get to know you. So tell me, what does your portfolio look like right now? Oh, boy. Right now, uh, we're pretty much going heavily into multifamily and uh, Airbnbs. So... Uh, I've, I know a lot of people that do like, you know, strictly just single family and just because it's obviously easy and it's safe. Um, if we go single family, we it, the only option that we will even think about with it is going to be an Airbnb. Um, and then everything else is multifamily. So right now we've got uh, we've got a 10 unit being built in Sedona. Um, we're going to do 10. That one's actually kind of crazy. We're going to do 10 Airbnbs with that one. Um, so that's going to be a, a pretty wild project. Uh, but we've got, let's see, we're at 39 units. So 39, 39 doors right now, um, 10 being built in Sedona. And then we've got a 32 unit new build uh, that's being built downtown Prescott, which is a couple hours north of uh, the Phoenix area as well. Okay. And what about your business? Business-wise, uh, business-wise, we're on pace this year to do uh, 75 flips. Uh, so 75 flips this year. Um, and you know, we should do, uh, right around 110 deals is the, uh, is kind of what we're on pace for this year. Okay. That's pretty impressive. So let's hear about how you got started. Like, how did you get into your first deal? What brought you into real estate? Yeah. So, um, really, I mean, uh, I started cold calling, I joined a team. Um, and so that's kind of how, how some people have heard about the, my, a little bit about my story is I started cold calling, you know, an hour, two hours a day. Um, and then obviously it's one of those things where cold calling is monotonous. It gets old, it gets boring. Um, so I started, I I started implementing playing Madden while I started cold calling. Um, when I did that, I started cold calling like five to six hours a day, uh, which obviously when the average person is maybe not even calling an hour or two, you know, per day, and then you start calling five to six, 
I mean, obviously the amount of context that you're making, the ability to perfect your craft, the ability to get better at what you're doing is just, just blowing by people at that point. Um, and so, so yeah, so once that kind of started, uh, the deal started coming in pretty regularly and, um, you know, started just wholesaling, started on that team. Uh, the team that I was on kind of broke apart. Um, and so then I went and started a, uh, I started my company with my, my best friend, uh, Jake Landis. And so we've got our team now, like I said, started, started with, with, uh, with cold calling, started with wholesaling. And we've kind of just taken that path that the, you know, I'd, I'd say that the average wholesaler takes in the sense that they would like to take where we went from wholesaling to flipping to keeping properties, um, you know, to, with rentals into, um, you know, we're at the point now where we're starting to, to do a lot more developing now. Um, so that's kind of the, the path that we've taken, if you will. Yeah. So, uh, like when you were playing Madden and making these cold calls, yeah. do you ever have anyone that sniffed you out on that? Like, were you ever like, <laughs> dang it? Oh, they're like, oh, what? And you're like, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Uh. All the time. Oh man. That's that was, unfortunately that was like, that was like the number one thing that, that I had to try to like cut back on. Um, so I mean like, okay, so this is kind of the path that it was, that it went is like, okay, I, I first started just in arcade mode when I was hopping on Madden. Right. And I'd be like, okay, like I'll try to just go ahead and see how it goes. And maybe I'll try playing while I'm calling. But obviously the number one most important thing for me every single time was the cold call because I'm working. You know what I mean? Like that's why I'm doing this is to try to get deals right now. Right. So uh, it started with that. And then I was like, once I got comfortable, I was like, okay, I'm going to hop on and do Madden online right now. Right. Like I'm going to start playing online because uh, it's more fun and it's more competitive. But then the thing is, is you only got one pause. So you get one pause a game. So you're like, okay, shit, I got to use this pause like very sparingly. Like so whenever you, you know, whenever I'd have a lead where I had to like write all the information down, that was when I'd use my pause. Uh, but there's times where, yeah, you'd start getting multiple, you know, you get multiple leads in that, in that calling session. And so, uh, so yeah, you had to, you had to kind of adapt and, 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 uh, <laughs> you know, figure it out. I'm sure you had to take, you know, take one for the team, take a few L's and Madden to, to close a couple of deals. Yeah. Un unfortunately, but it's like, you know, when for at the time then our, our average wholesale was probably like you know 25k so it's like yeah okay 25k or do i want the extra win right now in madden <laughs> you know i think yeah i think you made the right choice i think the 25k probably pans out in in the long run yeah you, you sort of mentioned um you were taking five to six calls a day and i think that's really important um a lot of people yeah, calling calling five to six hours five, yeah sorry five to six hours that that's really important i think a lot of people you know, they hear about wholesaling and they hear about the off-market deals and they'll only put in, you know, one or two hours and they don't get success and then they quit. But I remember I was talking to um, a buddy of mine who said that he didn't get any sales for his first like two months or something like that. He didn't get any, any wholesale deals and, he, you know, he was working part time. But then he finally got his first one and started really data tracking how much time he really needed to put in. And so he realized he needed to put in an average of 80 phone calls or talk to 80 people before he could close a deal. And so as soon as he did that, he mathed out, okay, it takes me four hours a day to call 80 people and blah, blah, blah. And he mathematically figured out that, you know, for every eight hours he would get a lead or something like that. So I'm kind of curious, were you ever at that point where you were tracking exactly your conversions or anything? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about it. That got, that was actually to me when it started getting real where I was like, okay, I got it. I got to stay on the phones. I have to, there's no question about it. Cause, um, I ended up breaking it down to how much I was making per hour while I was on the dialer. And that number, when I found out that number, I was like, bro, like this is insane. So to me that it was, I don't remember the exact number, but it was something along the lines of like, I was making like 560 bucks per hour that I was on the dialer. Like that's what it broke down to for like, you know, how many leads I would get, uh, which, which, you know, how, how many hours I had to be on the phone, which turned into the lead, which turned into, uh, into the deal. And obviously that was, that was the number for me it was, it was, I was making like 560 bucks an hour for every single hour that I was, you know, actively on the dialer playing Madden. Wow. $500 an hour. That's like, um, let's see a full-time salary on that. I think comes out to like $1.1 million or something like that. So that's a pretty motivating number to chase. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, that was, that was when it really all, all switched for me. So what was the moment that you started closing enough deals to where I, I imagine at some point you were playing Madden, you were closing, and then you got so good at this that you're like, okay, it's time to take this to the next level. 
uh, and, and, and just hit pause from the start. So what was that transition like when things really started to heat up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say that it kind of got to that point where it was like, okay, now, you know, once you start closing some wholesale deals, you start having some money, right? And so obviously the thing is, is that when most people are starting wholesaling, they don't have any money. So it's like, you know, cold calling is a good way to start because it is a low barrier of entry. It's, it's fairly inexpensive versus, you know, say a PPC or, or versus, you know, direct mail. I mean, everyone knows if you're getting started in wholesaling and you, and you go like the direct mail route and you have a couple, say you have a couple, um, you know, goes at it and they, they all end up empty. Like that can sink you. That could literally sink you right, you know, right off the bat. So cold calling is kind of nice in that sense where it is, you know, a little bit less expensive. But I mean, once we started, we're, once we were able to kind of basically start stacking some cash, then it was like, okay, you know what? Now we can start kind of building a team, right? Cause we can afford to start paying some people on the team. Um, and, and so, I mean, that was, that was really the main, the main time was, uh, I, I don't know if I would necessarily put like a, a dollar amount on it. Um, but that was when we started building the team. That was also when we started kind of looking into flipping. Yeah, man. So I, I know that you kind of have a few, uh, you know, given, given the background, I, I think this led to, to you creating some gamification strategies, right? For, for you and your team. Can you walk us through a few of those and how those shaped your business? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, personally, I, I, this is, in my opinion, you know, if you're building a business, if you're starting a business out, I think the smartest thing that you can possibly do, the absolute smartest thing that you can do is 100% be yourself and like build your business around you and around what you love and around what you, what you're passionate about. Cause I mean, like for instance, you know, you can see behind me right now. It's I'm, I'm a child. I'm 32 years old, but I'm, I'm a kid. <laughs> uh, I've got, you know, all my sports cars behind me. I've got, I've got Legos. I've got a pirate set of Legos behind me. Um, so I mean, like, I think that, you know, what we were able to do is we were able to kind of build, you know, this business around the things that we love. We love, you know, my business partner, Jake and myself, we love sports. Um, so I mean like the things that we post online and everything with our, with our company, it's about like, you know, we, we play golf in the office all the time. Like we've got like this chipping mat set up. We have, we have a sports center on all the time. Like that's on 24 seven when we're in the office, we've got a, we've got a beer tap with keg, you know, with kegs over in the corner over here. Um, you know, I mean, so we've got a cooler with all kinds of drinks in it and stuff. And I mean, so I think that like people need to realize that if you build your business around you, there are hundreds of thousands of people out there that are, that have the same, you know, likes as you, right. They have the same mindset. They have the same things that, 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 that they enjoy that you do. And so it's like, you're going to attract these people. There's, there's no doubt about it. And so I think that so many people get like, they put themselves in like a box of like, well, this is how business is supposed to be. This is how wholesaling is supposed to be. This is how real estate is supposed to be. Again, like we wear t-shirts and tank tops and board shorts in here every day. Like we could give two shits about what people wear, you know, what we wear, what we wear in the office. Like we're not like a, we're not like a super just, um, I, I don't want to say we're, we're not professional, but I mean, again, we're, we're just, we just run things a little bit differently. So, I mean, I think that we've been able to attract a lot of people that have the same, you know, likes and the same similarities as us. I mean, everyone that's on our team now, you know, we all, we all play golf. We all, we all, you know, we all watch ESPN. We all like, we get along. We've, we've built such like a great bond and such like a great team atmosphere. And it's because we've attracted these people from the things that we've posted because we're just being ourselves. We're not trying to be something that we're not. We're not trying to be anything, anything that we don't like. Everything in our office right now was like handcrafted by us and, and it's just, it's a hundred percent us. So I think that that's huge. And I don't, I don't think enough people do that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, what, what it boils down to is building that office culture that is sort of, uh, I don't know, very vibrant within the culture. I like you want everyone to feel like it's an authentic place to come to work. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, a, that's the thing, like, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'd say most people still in general don't enjoy going to work when it's like, you know, most of the days that I come in here, my guys are in here early. Like they're in here. I don't, we don't ask them to be in here early, but they're in here early because they love it. They love coming to work. They love having our, our, our chipping challenges. And it's just, it makes work fun. It's, you don't even feel like you're, you're, you don't even feel like you're going to work. It's just, and, and again, you know, everyone's still working. Everyone's still making money and everyone's, you know, everyone's pounding the phones. Uh, but again, we make games out of it, right? Like we do, we do certain things where it's like, okay, hey, um, you know, we make, we've made it a real like team aspect where, you know, one of the big things that we did as well is that when we set goals at the beginning of the year and like we set goals quarterly as well, but we set team goals. 
Like we, we set, we set personal goals for like, you know, maybe things that, uh, whatever I want to, I want to lose 10 pounds this quarter, right. Or whatever. Like we, we take like real life goals that are going to be every single day type things. Um, but then we also have the team goals. And so we think that's extremely important because then when people close deals on our team, it's not, there there's no animosity. We, we had built that the wrong way in the past and we learned from that mistake. Um, when we were first getting going, you know, years ago, we had built the team out where it was kind of in a sense, eat what you kill every man for themselves. Um, and biggest mistake we ever made. No question about it. Like if, if you have a team that's set up that way, I don't recommend it one bit. There's, there began being, you know, animosity between team members and stuff like that. Um, and so now that we just have it all team related, uh, when people close deals, everyone gets stoked. You know, everyone gets jacked up when we, when, when we take shots, when we, uh, when we close a deal. And so it's like, uh, we, we set these awesome, these awesome goals where we're going to go on a trip at the end of the quarter. If we hit this number, right. Um, we have fat bonuses at the end of the year, if we hit the overall number for the year. So it's like, we've really, we've really been able to make it like a team aspect type thing where everyone gets excited when everyone succeeds. Yeah. I'd actually like to dig into that aspect a little bit because I really like sort of a, a rev share model in a sense, but that's not exactly what you're necessarily suggesting, right? It's not like, you know, one, one deal is closed. Everyone gets a little piece of it. It's more, if everyone's closing a certain amount and then the entire office hits that goal, then there's kind of a bonus that's dispersed from there. Can you walk us a little bit through those mechanics? Yeah, no, exactly. So exactly like you just said, everyone everyone basically has a certain number that they're supposed to be hitting every month, right? So obviously that number comes down at the end of the year. Does everyone hit their number? Awesome. If everyone hits their number, then that's great. And then if, if the if the, the the if our company as a whole hits the number that we set sat out for, um, we have we, we have insane bonuses that we, we did. It's not necessarily rev sharing, but we just threw out a, a really high number that everyone's going to get. Um, so obviously it makes everyone super, super amped to shoot for that number. That's really cool. So are there um, times in that culture, like, you know, uh, obviously you've, you've experimented here with the bonus structure and everything like that, different aspects of culture that you like to implement. Are there times where you can kind of uh, point to where it's like it wasn't working or ways that you can identify when certain cultural things aren't necessarily a fit? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and again, I, I think that, uh, so we've we've been in business for seven years now. Um, so really, uh, I'm, trust me, I'm not trying to say, sit here and say we have it all figured out. But I mean, like the last the last year has really been like a game changer for once we kind of like restructured how everything worked. Um, the previous years were, you know, they were still good, but the, the beginning years we made the most mistakes. I mean, as most people do, cause you're just getting your business going and you're, you know, you're learning from your mistakes. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it was kind of eat what you kill every man for themselves. Um, like I said, there was a lot of animosity built up between people when someone would get a deal. It'd be like, Oh, Hey, are they're getting better leads than I am? Aren't they like, well, you told him to call on this list and I'm calling on this list and how come this is happening? And so it, it just got, it got kind of negative. And then, um, when that started, you know, I, I don't know if you want me to go in, <laughs> down the road of, of, uh, you know, un, not fun stories. Uh, but there, again, these are learning experiences, but I mean, um, yeah, we had, we had a guy that was on our team and he was kind of a cancer to the team. Um, every time we brought in new people, he would come to us and be like, Hey, I don't like this guy. This, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy for whatever reason it was. Right. Um, and so he ended up, you know, we should have caught that early. We should have caught it early on that, that, that the guy was obviously, he was the problem every single time we brought in new people. And he ended up, we ended up finding out that he had been stealing leads from us for the last, like, the last like six months that he had worked with us. Um, and like I said, the relationship just kind of started getting worse and worse. Um, but then one day we came in and all this stuff was moved out. And he's like, hey, I'm going to start working from home. And we're like, what? You're not going to work from home? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm working from home from here on out. And so we ended up finding out that he had been actually closing deals and using another company in our market to close them. So he was, he was taking the leads and he was using, he was finding it. He was taking his other, uh, taking the leads to this other company and he was closing them and selling them with them. Cause like how it raised the, you know, how it kind of raised an eyebrow for us was we were like, okay, you're not getting any leads anymore. Like what happened? Like the last three months you haven't brought any leads in, like something's got to be going on. Um, and that, and then, like I said, shortly after he said he was going to start working from home and then, and then we ended up finding out that the leads that we had been working, uh, he had just been taking them and closing them. In our industry, especially, I think we are more prone to that kind of behavior than in a W2 world. We tend to draw 
the people who have this dream, they want more money, they want financial freedom, they want to see what they can do, right? Like it's that personality that is pulled to real estate. It's it's typically not an accountant, CPA type person who's like, I really want to be in the chaos of real estate investing. Right, right. So I've noticed this with real estate salespeople to a smaller degree with mortgage loan officers, not quite as much, but definitely with like the, the, the investor, the flipper, the person that's willing to cold call all day long that wants it really bad. They're more likely to be the people that will cross those lines, that will gray those areas. And um, there's almost like a bit of a paranoia that you have to develop to do this well, that people that don't work in the industry will look at it like, oh, you're always afraid of people leaving you. I'm like, do you know how often agents change brokers? Oh, God, yeah. It's insane. They're constantly jumping, right? And then in the investing side, it's even worse. You get these people that say, hey, I see you playing Madden and cold calling. I really want to learn what you're doing. Can I come work with you? Yep. And their goal is, as soon as I get this down, I'm leaving I'm this guy out of and here. I'm going somewhere else. Yes, yes. absolutely. But they're, they don't just want an opportunity. They want your time, your training, your attention, your emotional commitment you get to know these people you feel like your friends it could even be like family like you're sitting out there with these guys right outside your window you guys are going to war together it's gonna build this bond and it stings when one of them leaves especially if they leave to betray you so first off i just wanted you to talk a little bit about this reality that doesn't get brought up sort of in the disneyland real estate investing uh persona that gets put out there because it's actually a little more cutthroat than i think a lot of people can realize and then what you've done in your company to uh, try to avoid that, whether it's looking for traits and people that you avoid or creating an incentive structure. So that's less likely to keep happening. No, for sure. And so I mean, exactly like you said, you know, we, we, once we did kind of shift that mindset of like, okay, you know, we're bringing people on, but exactly like what you said, they're, they're, they're getting, they're gathering information from you and then they're out, right? Like they might stay a couple months. They might stay, you know, even if it's a year, they get as much information as they possibly can. And then when it's no longer kind of like, you know, fitting their needs or it doesn't really make sense. They think that they can start making more then they're gone. Um, and so what we've done to kind of try to combat, uh, combat that is when we did our last round of interviews, um, we really asked some deep questions, like some, some deep questions that were going to be like, you know, give us a good feel for if these people were going to stay with us or if they were literally just trying to gather information and bounce. Um, so I mean, like, you know, one of the things that we said is, is, you know, we just asked how long, how long are you looking to, to stay in real estate? You know, how long are you looking to, you know, to, to be with us? Just curious, you know, cause believe it or not, even though you'd think a lot of people are just going to like BS you, a lot of people will straight up tell you, we had a couple people that were like, Hey, I, I want to be here for maybe a couple of years. And I'd kind of like to go try to do what you guys are doing. So someone that said that. No, like, you know, like you, you gave us your, you gave us the honest answer, but that's the wrong answer. So no, you're not working with us. Um, and so it's like, yeah, we were, we were looking for the people that said, you know what, like I'm looking for a career, like I'm looking for something that I can stay at long, like a long term, you know? Um, so that was, that was huge for us. And so, um, another thing we like, we want our guys to grow, like we want them to grow with us. So that was, that's huge. That was another huge thing that we kind of shifted as well is that when we go over our goals, you know, the personal goals and the team goals. But when we go over those, we really look to find like, what is it that you want? You know what I mean? Like we try to get to the the deep questions of what do you want out of life? What do you want out of working here? And so, um, you know, a a really cool example that I can actually use that just actually happened last week. Um, One of the guys on our team, um, he, one of his goals was that he wanted to buy three doors this year. He wanted three, wanted to pick up three rental properties, three doors. Um, And so, one thing that we're huge on is we like to try to fulfill these these goals with people. And so we like to give, we, we made it very obvious to them that, hey, we're going to be able to provide you guys with options, like in opportunities that you might not get elsewhere because of how many projects we do come across. And so uh, when this was only a week ago, we came across a triplex that was a seller carry, um, which, you know, with interest rates where they're at right now, a uh, seller carry was was pretty attractive. Uh, they were asking 880 on it. Uh, for a triplex right downtown Prescott, um, and so they were uh, the the seller was asking eight eighty, and they said they'd carry at four point seven percent. So we went ahead and uh, and jumped on. We lowballed the shit out of them. Uh, we came in at six fifty, um, four point seven percent interest, and uh, and they accepted it. Um, so five year balloon. Uh, but so it was a perfect it was a perfect time though where where we could kind of you know, see if, if it was something that he would be interested in jumping in on with us. And so our team member jumped in on it with us. Um, he is a, he's, you know, he threw some cash down uh, to, to partner on it. And he is a, a partner with, uh, with my business partner, Jake and I on it now. So it's like, 
just like that, you know, he just added three doors to his portfolio. And that was one of his big, big goals that he had wanted to do for the year of 2022. And it's already accomplished. That's awesome. Rob, same question to you. What are some things that you've done to either avoid hiring the wrong people or keep the people that you've got in place? This is something that I'm actually, I'm, I don't want to say dealing with, but something I'm going through right now, right? Because I've always hired very lean and um, I'm at the point now where I am having to scale and hire more people. And I just want to make sure that the people that I've already hired are happy. So I actually just had a one year review with like my editor, for example, the editor of the channel. And um, for us, we've had a really good, flexible relationship. Things have been going super, super, super well. And I, I, I believe he gets paid relatively well for kind of, you know, like the job that he does. And we're, I think we've always been happy with that, but I did want him to have skin in the game because I always feel like having skin in the game is truly where the incentive uh, comes to light. Right. And so, you know, when we had our one year talk about a week ago, actually, it wasn't really that long ago. And, you know, I said, look, I could give you a raise if that's, if that's what you want. But what I would prefer is we'll keep your salary the same, but I'm going to give you a percentage of the ad revenue, uh, you know, of the channel. But what I, what I want though, with this is you now have a stake in this channel in the success of it right? So if the YouTube channel goes viral, you're super happy. If it's tanking, I want you to be bummed about it with me, right? And so this is something I've figured out because I think just doing pure skin in the game has not worked in the past for some people that I've, you know, consulted with on this. But I actually just hired a COO for my for my education program. And um, we really went, you know, through and through trying to figure out the agreement that worked. The same thing, you know, it was a base salary with a, a, you know, percentage of revenue, because basically if he grows it to a certain milestone, he'll make a lot more money. And so for me, I think there's a really nice balance there of, of just making sure that there is a reason that someone comes to work motivated and knowing that their work contributes to more money in their pocket. For me, long story short, is I've noticed that <clears throat> I do better hiring administrators than salespeople. So uh, like most of the problems that come in my business would be a salesperson that comes in and we want them to work a system and be structured and follow a path. And they're a crazy squirrel that wants to run all over the place. And their heart tells them, do it your own way. But their head tells them, I need systems. And it's been very difficult keeping them past. So we're sort of going to restructure to where we've got a handful of sales leaders that are very talented agents. We're going to build administrators around those people rather than growing agents and maybe giving them agents to support them. Because uh, this has been the biggest problem with businesses. Like you just don't realize that when you're learning about real estate, it's so exciting. It's so fun. You're like, I just want to do this every day, all day. But then when you got to go execute, it becomes boring. It becomes monotonous. It becomes a grind that like you learned how to use Madden as sort of an opiate to get you through what that was going on. And, and that's why people don't become successful is when the luster wears off and you're like, nope, I'm just getting yelled at, getting hung up on, getting people that are irritated. And I'm just sifting through to find that one gold nugget. And then I got to have the ability to pounce on it when I find it. It could be like that getting a deal, right? We're starting to see a little bit more deals coming our way because the market's softening. But in general, it becomes very discouraging when you're looking at house after house, and especially when you're new and you're just analyzing all of them 100%, right? Like this is exhausting. And you got to have the energy to pounce when that one comes. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets.
We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability. With Plaid certified tenant income and assets reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. All tenant screening and verification is paid by the tenant and done through the desktop and mobile app. It's time to say goodbye to gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. And as a matter of fact, all Bigger Pockets pros have Rent Ready included in your pro membership. If you're not a pro, Rent Ready is offering you 50% off of their annual plan. New customers visit rentready.com and use code BP2024. That's R E N T R E D I.com using code BP2024. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, in the year 2024 to save 50% off of one year of Rent Ready. Pretty good little episode, right? While you were listening, you could have been getting paid rent with RentApp. Landlords love RentApp because it makes rent collection a breeze. RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. Setup is straightforward for renters, and landlords don't need to download anything. Both have peace of mind with the digital transaction history. Isn't it time you made landlording a little easier? RentApp, the best way to pay or collect rent. Learn more at rent.app landlord. That's rent.app landlord. So I kind of want to switch this over a little bit, Luke. If you could give us your four tips that you use to keep people interested so that their mind is sharp, they're engaged, they're having fun, and they don't miss the opportunity that comes after those eight hours of calls. Yeah. I mean, so another thing that another thing that we do is um, you know, we incentivize our team for bigger deals, right? So because again, you got to keep in mind, like we've got sales team that they are in the trenches and they're gonna be negotiating a deal, right? So if they're negotiating a deal, why not give them more incentive to try to get that deal deeper? You know, and so obviously we're not going to give the deal away. Like we don't want to lose a deal because we're just trying to get it too deep. Like we're always going to, you know, we're always going to try to make sure <clears throat> that we get the deal first, but we incentivize them by getting deeper deals. So, um, you know, we'll do something where it's like, okay, if you, you know, for your first hundred K deal that you get, uh, you know, we're going to get you, uh, a whole new set of golf clubs. And I mean, you know, if you, are you guys golfers? I just took my first lesson a week. Oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> okay. So I mean like, you know, but I mean, that's, that's, that's a couple grand, you know, that's like a, a couple thousand dollars right there um, to do something like that. Or, you know, your first deal over, over, you know, whatever, 50 grand or 75 grand. So like we do like different things like that. So like you'll get like a, uh, like an electric scooter, you'll get like an electric e-bike. Um, so like we do things like that to like really try to like make them push to get them deeper. Right. So that's, that's one, obviously another one is, you know, we, we really make sure that we have like, an advancement, right? So it's like, okay, this is what you're going to start out at when you join our company. Mm. But like, we always want to make sure that people know that they can grow in our company, right? Whether that's, that's huge. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's like a lot of times, you know, I think that one reason why people will leave a company is because they just feel like there's, they're not, there's not any growth for them, right? They, they feel like, that's me. they feel like they've hit the ceiling and they're like, okay, well, where do I go from here? Like I, I, I'm doing well and I don't really know what you guys want from me now because I'm doing everything I can do and I just don't. And they just feel like they kind of hit that glass ceiling. And so um, one thing that we've really done is we've really made it a point that we want you guys to advance in our company. Like we have an opportunity for growth. You know, you're starting right here, um, you know, uh, as, as an acquisition manager, but the next step is going to be uh, a team lead. The next step is going to be a closer, you know, um, you know, I mean, we're going to have positions all the way up to, to COO of our, of our business as well. We're not there yet. Um, you know, our team's not big enough and, and I don't think, you know, especially with the market kind of slowing a little bit, we're just not really at that point where we have those upper, those upper management positions, um, you know, kind of filled or anything, um, or even really where we're ready for them. Um, but again, I think that just when people know that, that for the future, like I can step into those positions, right? I'm not going to just stay right here for my entire career with them. Like that's, that's a huge thing. And, 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 you know, when you say gamifying, it's like, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of like, you know, moving on to that next level, right? <laughs> so it's like you, you, you've finished this level and you've done really well. So now you're moving on to that next level. I heard Tony Robbins talking about this and it never really clicked, but he was talking about how important the feeling of progression is to a human being. It's like one of our deepest needs. Actually, I think what he was saying is 
you're only happy in life when you can feel like you're progressing. And at the time I heard it, I wasn't ready to hear it, so it didn't really do anything for me. But I started thinking about, uh, actually, I'll just be honest with this. I started playing a, a video game on my phone, a Marvel game. <laughs> okay. And I ended up spending money on it. And I was like, what <laughs> the hell am I doing? This That's is awesome. so stupid in so many ways. But it was, I actually deconstructed, like, why am I spending money on this? And they did done a great job in that game of getting it started where it was fun and then making it too hard to progress at the pace that you want to, that you got used to, unless you spend money. So you're in like this pain, I can't get to this next level unless I spend $10 and then the pain's relieved. And I just caught myself getting sucked into just like, it's like, dude, I don't spend this much money on food. I don't spend it. Why am I doing this? And it was that feeling of progression. And it sort of unlocked something in my brain. I realized this is why you see so many young men that are addicted to World of Warcraft. Like in the real world, they don't get that feeling of progression. They feel like they're getting passed up in that world. They're a level 74 warlock. And even though they know it's not real, it your brain thinks it is. It feels real, right? This like, is I am a badass. In that place, right? And I see this with investors. I'll often hear investors say, I have X amount of doors. And like it's kind of a joke in our world that the minute I hear an investor start talking about doors, they're they're chasing the wrong goal. It's easy to build up doors, right? Because you have nine doors, or what you have is like three properties or something. It's the feeling of progression that they like people to hear. And I now I pay a lot of attention to what am I getting that feeling from? Because I will chase it if I think that I'm going to get ahead. And there's a lot of other people that are that way. And if you're at a company where they don't have that feeling of progression, it's almost like you're forcing them to go somewhere else to find it to get that need met. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I think there's there's so much truth in that because it's just when you just even talk to the team, you know, when you just have regular talks with them, that's what is important. Like, you know, when when you have like the the sit downs with them and you say, hey, what is what's really important for you? You know, with where we're at, it's always that next thing. How about you, Rob? What are some areas where you catch yourself like you feel progression and so you pursue it, but then you look back and say like, was that even worth doing? Or are you just a machine that isn't making those mistakes? I don't make mistakes. <laughs> Physically, I don't um, do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm the best. Uh, that's my Ricky Bobby impression. Well, no, I was just thinking about that. I mean, and, and I kind of just, I said this earlier about sort of the rev share model. And I think I think honestly, you guys are really selling me on this a little bit more simply because there is progression in that type of thing for for the people on my team. I mean, with my COO, with my editor, they're directly incentivized by the performance and growth of my company. And thus, if they don't help increase the production, they don't see progress. But because of our company, because of my companies and my channel, it is always growing, you know? And I think that's sort of the... The thing that I'm that I I think that's probably honestly David what I did not like about W two life is that there really isn't fast progression right if you think about your typical linear growth there you get a job and you wait if you're lucky a year to get promoted but it might take two it might take three years to get promoted now you might get like at my last job I would get like a three percent you know, living wage increase every year or two. I can't really remember off the top of my head. That's not real progress, right? You know, it's it's not nothing, but on my salary, it was like, you know, a couple thousand bucks, for example, which right. after taxes and everything was like, well, an extra 50, 100 bucks per paycheck. Inflation. And that's not real progress. Right, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. It wasn't even keeping up with inflation. But right. when you think about leaving one job to go to the next job, right? Like your your salary jump can be very sizable. You can go from making 50,000 to 75,000 if you play your cards right or maybe 80,000. I mean, there are jobs that I went I was able to jump like when I moved from Kansas City to Los Angeles, I was able to double my salary and that's where I felt real progress. But once I was sort of locked into the W2, there is no progress for one, two or three years and I think that the way you describe that is exactly what my gripe was with my full-time life was that I just never felt like I was really seeing progress because I was like, oh, well, my employer doesn't see enough progress to give me a raise or give me a promotion. And thus, I always felt very stagnant for very year, for very many years, whereas now I'm self-employed. I have different businesses. I have different employees. My revenue does go up every single, uh, every single month. My views go up every single month. And I actually see progress. And so 
I think, yeah, I don't know. I probably do chase progress a lot, but maybe it's because I was so deprived of it working a full-time career. And that's obviously your mileage is going to marry very there. And I didn't mean to get so, so deep and profound, but I think you've just really encapsulated what my issue was with like being a company man. Oh, for sure. I think, I mean, when it, when it comes to like, just talking, you know, what my main thing that I chase is for, for progress wise, it sounds ridiculous, but it's a hundred percent cash flow. That's, that is literally the number one thing that I find myself chasing is like the number that sticks out to me over anything else is a hundred percent directly correlated to my freedom. And the, the, the thing that, that correlates with your freedom for me is my cash flow. I think because cash flow is such a powerful magnet in our industry, right? It's like you put, you throw the word cash flow out and 90% of the people interested in real estate are going to run right after. For it. sure. And it's not bad. Obviously, cash flow is right. <laughs> incredible. I, I like want to make money. Yeah. Anyone else, right? That's right. It becomes scary when someone goes to a bad turnkey provider or a bad market, right? Because those markets always look stronger cash flow. If you go to Indiana, if you go to like some of these like Mississippi, all these areas that turnkey companies tend to work in that have a very low barrier to entry on the spreadsheet, you're like, whoa, this is a 28% return. And it never works out that way, right? And and it's not that I'm against cash flow. I'm against cash flow being used as bait to get you on a hook that's going to take you in a financial ruin, right? And you got me thinking one of the things, I think the main reason people want cash flow is they see it as this magic pill to get them out of the job that they don't like uh, into a relationship that they don't have into having confidence. Like it just cash flow can change everything for you. The other thing I think is it's easier to measure progress with cash flow. No, I think so too. If I, I, I've, I've got this much every month, I can get this much more if I get this many properties. It puts you on that progression system that we talk about. You can do the same thing with equity. And that tends to be how wealthier people measure their successes. How did my net worth grow? Yeah. But you don't have as much direct control over equity. Right. You kind of have to like make the right moves and watch that it happens. But cash flow, there's a very strong correlation between I got this many doors, I can get this much cash flow. So I'm curious as you're building up your own portfolio, as you're growing your cash flow, and as you're seeing this system of progression and how important we have to have it, or otherwise we're not going to stay motivated. But at the same time, it can, you can follow the wrong path and feel like I'm making progress. <laughs> and then you get all the way to the end and you're like, I don't like where I went. This was a mistake. How often do you sort of pull back and look at your overall plan and ask yourself if you like the direction you're headed? Probably monthly, honestly. I'd say oh. probably about once a month, I really sit back and I'll look at it and just be like, okay, is this, yeah, is this, is this where I want to be? Is this what I want to do? Is this, you know, the, the things that, that we're, that we're aiming towards, is that what I want out of life? And, you know, are, are those, are we in the right, are we going in the right direction towards those things? Um, so, I mean, again, you know, like you said, cash, whether it's right or wrong, measuring it in cash flow, when I take a look at that, it's just, it, it, I kind of put it in words of like, this is, with with this, whatever this number is going to grow to, um, looking at it regularly, this kind of lets me know where I'm at on paper in the sense of, okay, in a recession, right? I'm not, and again, not saying we're in one, but I'm just saying if if things do come crashing down, this is what I can still kind of hang my hat on that. This is where I'm at, where I don't necessarily have to worry too, too, too much if the world explodes and your business falls apart. I mean, you know what I mean? Obviously, there's not things that, that you want to happen. They're not things that you expect to happen. But there are things that, that can still come through your mind where it's like, okay, if everything does fall apart, where are you at? Where are you sitting cash flow wise? Because this is what allows you to still, you know, survive. This is what's going to allow you to be like, hey, you know what? Uh, no matter how bad it gets, this is where I'm at. And I can still go do this. I can still do this. And I can still have this type of a lifestyle based on that number. And so that's why I, I try to stay on top of that number regularly because it's, you know, with the shifting market right now. It's nice to know. It's nice to know what that number is. That's interesting because I, I would have imagined that the, I don't know. I mean, yes, I agree with a lot of that because I, I mean, that, that is, I, I guess I would think of it this way. Like your cash flow is your daily tracker. That's what you're looking at, right? right? That's what's on the scoreboard. Right. But you got to look at the season, right? Like the, what the season, yeah. like uh, where, where you net out. And that's where I look at net worth, which again, net worth isn't something 
that I'm really looking at and saying like, great, boom, box checked. But that is the ultimate for me, yeah. the the tracker of like the overall success because right. cash flow can change. You know, you can sell a property. You know, there are a for lot sure. of times where I've had a great Airbnb that lease might have ended or I might have sold it or whatever. And I'm like, dang, that just took off $7,000 of my cash flow. And now, now I'm back down to like, you know, three steps back or whatever. But you know, and again, net worth is not something that I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. But that is how I track really a lot of it. Because for me, I always say cash flow makes you rich, but equity makes you wealthy. Yeah. And so there is a little bit of a of a dance that you have to play on like which one you're paying attention to. And I think it I think it's kind of equal, honestly, on, on my side. I was gonna say, I mean, I'm I'm not I absolutely still pay attention to my 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 net worth as well, but I I pay more attention to my cash flow regularly. Like I said, I'm probably paying attention to my cash, you know, checking on my numbers for cash flow monthly. And then, uh, my, my net worth is probably quarterly where I'm really, okay, you know, cool. diving and, in. And, yeah. Diving in and saying, this is where I'm at right now. Um, how am I going to grow this number right now? All right. So let's summarize your four tips for gamifying things. And I think before I do that, what I love about this is that, you're taking the same things that make video games fun and addicting. <laughs> you are applying them to business so people can actually make money with that skill, right? Hell like yeah. You're, you're taking this thing that is a trap to so many people, and now you're using it in the fight for financial freedom and good. So I like that. Absolutely. Number one tip, <clears throat> make work a game. Like when you were using Madden, that would make an, an ordinary, boring task actually seem a lot more fun and challenging. Number two is look for ways to incentivize people. And you have to have like weekly ones and quarterly ones, different forms of incentive. Number three is leveling up. That's where we get into that feeling of progression that's so important. Number four is bring in a multiplayer element. So get other people involved, yep. make yourself, make them feel like they're in a group on a, on a team. Anything that you want to um, elaborate on that before we move into the next segment of the show? No, I mean, honestly, um, one other thing that we've really done with our team as well is we've we've made sure that they all know that that to us uh one of our core values is is obviously just how important the importance of family um and so something that's big is we give our entire team so much freedom in the sense that if they ever need anything if they ever want to take a trip they don't even they they can ask us but they really don't even need to it's 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 done it's just it's done so i mean you know there'll be times when um you know anyone on our team they can they can say this is this is coming up this is going to do this perfect you're gone have fun enjoy it and enjoy your time with the family and so we've made sure that everyone knows how how important it is to us that they get their their time with their family so i just i and again that's not that's not gamifying but i mean that's just one of those things to us where again it's just it's a core value of that your family comes first so anything you need go for it yeah. And if they're hitting their numbers, if they're doing their job, if there's accountability, like I see that you've got these people that are in your office as we're recording. I think that's really important. Oh yeah. You know, they're working every day. So, and they're, and you track your numbers. So you see if they're successful. So of course, if they want some time off, they can go do it. That only becomes a problem when someone's not, producing, <laughs> not contributing. Right. Right. They're not, they're not helping move the ball forward. And then they're saying, now I need all this time off as well. I agree. I'm je I'm jealous. I'm jealous. You have a workspace with people. I do miss that. <laughs> The studio gets a little lonely sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob's Rob's coworkers are his children. How old are they? <laughs> one and two. <laughs> there yeah, we go. and every once in a while, an ex exciting thing happens where one of them sticks Play-Doh up their nose, and you get oh to my go perfect. There we go. Do, and do reverse CPR. Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we had a we had a peanut we had a peanut incident uh, about six months back. So peanut up the nose. We had we had up happen. the nose up the nose. What happened? Did you or how did did you do reverse CPR? Oh, we had to break out the tweezers. Oh. Had wow. had to break out the tweezers to get the peanut out. I'm like, babe, what are you doing? Not that. <laughs> I put a peanut up there. I thought it would come out. <laughs> My sister did that with the bean one yeah. time. You know, they'll get you. Peanuts and beans. She was she was 32. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move us on to the next segment of our show. This segment of the show, we are going to ask you details about a particular deal that you've done. Luke, do you have one in mind? We've got one flip that we just did. The first question is, what kind of property is it? Was it a single family home? Okay, so it's a single family home, but it has a guest house. Um, five minutes from downtown Prescott. So it's in a really, really um, sought after area. Um, and so it is on 1.2 acres. Um, and again, it's just, you don't typically find many houses with guest houses in this area. Uh, house is 2,400 square feet. Guest house is 600 square feet, completely separate. And how did you find it? Uh, this was a cold call. 
And you mentioned the price. How much did you pay for it? Bought it for 480000 And uh, how did you negotiate that price? So the guy wanted 550 He was going to list it on the market for 550 Um, so obviously we broke down all the numbers for him. Just let him know that, you know, by the time you actually list it and after all the numbers come out, it needed everything. It was, it was really rough. Um, so I mean, after an inspection and everything, you know, we're like, Hey, there's a, there's a good chance you're not even going to walk with, you know, you're not even gonna walk with 500. Um, so kind of went back and forth there. We got him down to 480 on the deal. All right. How did you fund this deal? Um, this one, we did a hard money loan. Um, and we did a hard money loan for the, uh, for the construction on it as well. Um, and then the construction ended up getting a little out of hand on us. So we actually had to bring in a gap funder. Uh, we didn't have to, but we brought in a gap funder for the uh, extra construction loan. And uh, what did you do with it? Was it a flip, rental, burr? It was a flip. So yeah, so we, we ended up putting uh, 260000 into the flip. All right. And what was this outcome? So we just listed it last week. Uh, which again, you know, in this market right now is a little bit scary just because, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but the numbers have come down. There's no doubt about it. Um, from where they were, you know, versus six to eight weeks ago. Um, so obviously that's something that was kind of scaring us, uh, you know, as we were getting closer to, to getting this thing listed, we're just watching the market, um, you know, watching interest rates going up. We're like, okay, like, you know, we'll just have to see how this goes. Uh, but we put out, we're pretty confident in our product that we put out. We do, we do some pretty, um, we put some money into our pro- projects and we got a, we got a pretty good design in, in, in our opinion. Um, so we listed the property for 1.1, um, 1.1 mil last week and we got a full price cash offer three days in. <laughs> wow. That's awesome, man. What, what lessons did you learn from the deal? Um, this was a, uh, it was a little bit scarier deal cause it, it took a, it took a while cause we, gutted the entire thing. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was rough. It was really rough. Um, but what I learned, man, we trusted, we trusted our, our, our intuition that this was going to be like, just because of what it was, it's a really cool house. It's kind of old, unique. Uh, it's got a lot of history behind it. Uh, it had a guest house. It had, it was on a big lot. So it had these things that you don't find in these, in this area. And so we're like, God, like, I think we should be able to push this thing. Um, and obviously the market just continued to <clears throat> climb over the, you know, over the, the past year that we've owned this property. Um, so I mean, really the thing I learned, I'd say is that we trusted our intuition that this was going to be a banger. Um, and it was. So we just got through the inspection and uh, they didn't ask for very much. So sounds like it sounds like things are moving forward. They, right. And they waved an appraisal, which awesome. was awesome. All right. On this deal, who was the hero involved? Uh, I'm going to say it was our lender. Our lender just kept giving us funds. And he was like, hey, like, because we, we had, I think we'd originally said that our rehab was going to be like, I think we said it was going to be like 120. <laughs> and then once we kind of started getting into it more, you know, you've had those projects where you're like, oh, damn, this thing, once we're opening this thing up, we're going to, we're going to really get into this. Um, so he trusted us the whole way through. We do a, a stupid amount of deals with him. So I'm, I'm happy that he trusted us. Mm. Uh, but he just kept, he just kept cutting the checks left and right. So. It was nice. That's nice. Yeah. So find, find yourself <laughs> send a, a lender that'll do that. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, <laughs> I, it's super important, in my opinion, to have a lender that you know, if, if you want to get to that next level, you got to have a lender that you can just trust and they trust you that you can feed off of. Because, I mean, if you don't have that, it's going to be tough. And if you want to be like Luke and get the same results, remember, bigger pockets can help you do so. There are tons of resources and people waiting to be your hero on the site. Just go to biggerpockets.com, look for the nav bar, click on tools or resources, and there is plenty there that will help you do the same thing. All right, Luke, we're going to move on to the last segment of the show. It is the world famous famous four. All right. In this segment of the show, Rob and I will fire questions at you and we're going to see how you respond. Same questions we ask every guest every week. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate book? Oh, favorite real estate book. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go. I, I, I say that it's real estate wise, but the top regrets of the dying, the top regrets of the dying is huge for me. Cause it's this, it's one of those things where, um, again, it just, it lets you know, you got one life and, uh, it's about someone who interviewed a bunch of people that were on their deathbed and just the, the, the things that they had brought up that they wish they would have done looking back and the tears that it brought to them. And it's just like, it's, oh man, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those books where it makes you every single, every page you're just like, you're thinking about it and you're like, oh my God, like I gotta, I gotta change something. I gotta, I gotta go after it now. I gotta do what I want to do right now. So that was huge for me. 
That's awesome. What about uh, your favorite business book? Favorite business book is probably going to have to be The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Josh Dworkin really likes that book. He's mentioned it several times. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an amazing book. It's it's um yeah that's a that's that'll shift it that'll shift your mindset as well. Uh, it's about a big wig kind of like uh, lawyer and just the, the the changes that he made by by basically kind of stepping away from his business and taking a, a, a deeper look at, at the the you know everything in, in uh, you know the, the macro of, of life I guess. And uh, how it changed everything. It's amazing. And uh, when you're not finding ways to gamify the game of real estate, uh, what are some of your hobbies? I like to play golf. Um, I like to spend time with the family. Uh, we've got a boat, um, so we're, we're on like a little lake in our in our in our neighborhood here. So we just we'll take the boat out, take the kids and the dog. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Um, in Arizona, I know it sounds really weird. Most people are like, there's not lakes in Arizona, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, so that's fun golf. Uh, I enjoy playing basketball. Um, so like I said, I love sports. Awesome. In your opinion, what sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Consistency, man. Like that's been, that's been, um, you know, if you've heard that question when people ask like, what's your superpower? Like consistency, if you have the ability to just stick with it, even when things aren't going well, just pound the phone, you know, whether it's the phones or whatever it is, pound the pavement and just continue to work. Like there's so many people, like you said, that, that when things get tough, they quit, right? They're just like, you know what? This isn't for me. Um, I'll do something else. That's not pivoting. Like if you're completely getting out of that industry, you're, you're, you're quitting. And so it's, we have, we have, uh, been able to stay extremely, extremely consistent in the things that have worked for us. And then once they maybe start to not work as well, we have done a very, very good job of pivoting. Um, so, you know, wh- whether that's a market shift, whether that's, um, you know, that could be anything. Something happens with, uh, with your marketing, your marketing sources or, you know, whatever it might be where things are just not working how they used to work. Making those changes, being able to to pivot quickly and stay consistent, those are the top two things for me. That if you can do those things in any market, in my opinion, um, I, I think you're going to be fine. I think you're going to do not even be fine, but I think you're going to excel. Well, very wise words there. Uh, lastly, can you tell us where people can find out more about you on the internet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on Instagram, my Instagram handle is Luke underscore R O underscore, and on uh. Facebook, just Luke Rotvold. That's my full name. And then on YouTube, we are under the Viking Boys, and we have a bunch of like cold call videos, uh, just live cold call videos on there while playing Madden, which is a blast. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you can got to stick to your roots. Right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, so those are the, the three places you can uh, you can find me. Awesome. What about you, David? You can find me at David Green twenty four. There's a whole lot of imposters, so be careful that you look exactly for the right spelling, especially if you see me follow you. Nothing personal, but I'm probably not likely to be following someone that I haven't been interacting with before. So there's a lot of people getting taken advantage of. And then you can check out my YouTube channel at David Green Real Estate. And Rob, what about you? Yeah, man, I've been waiting for you to follow me back now for like the last six months. So I'm trying not to take it personally, but honestly don't know how else to take it at this point. It'll come soon. Um, <laughs> you can find me over at uh, Rob Built on YouTube, Rob Built on Instagram, little curveball here, Robilto on TikTok cuz someone took Rob Bilt but then scammers got a hold of Rob Bilto on Instagram. So it's a little confusing. So I'm Rob Bilt on Instagram and make sure that you I mean I I won't send you a message first. I can pretty much guarantee that. So if if you get a message from me that says, "Hey, have you considered forex trading?" It's not me. It's a bot. <laughs> Come on. That's what you're actually doing. Let's be honest here. <laughs> Luke, I got to ask you with your name being Luke Rotvold, how often do people think that you are Luke Rockhold? the UFC fighter. I know. Trust me. Oh my God. Okay. So funny story was that I was, uh, the first time I'd ever, ever, I ever heard that name. I was at a restaurant with my wife and, um, they, they had like ESPN or something on, right. Where they had highlights going on. And I just heard that name over the, whatever the speakers. And it was like something about Luke Rockhold. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, babe, did you just hear that? And she's like, yeah, I just, I did hear that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, with that, because I'm mean, like, come on, R- like Luke Rot, that's not a very common name, Rotvold. Like, it's a very strange name. It's Norwegian, uh, but I mean, the first time I heard it, I was shook. I'm like, what the hell was that? So uh, I don't get that very often. Um, but I think that guy's also like six four, like freaking two forty, all yoked up. I'm not six four, nor am I two forty or yoked up. So. <laughs> 
Not yet. <laughs> right. You know, hey, I, I can get there. I can get there. You put your mind to Anything it. Anything could happen. You don't need to do that. Just get enough cash flow. It'll solve every problem you ever have. Why, why, why get in shape? Boom. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm talking about. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. All right, Luke. Well, we had a great time talking to you. I really appreciate you sharing what's going on in your business. That's good. As well as what's not going well. It's it's very rare you get someone that will come on a podcast this big with this much influence and say, hey, I got taken advantage of. I had people leave me. Here's Absolutely. what went wrong in the business. So I appreciate you being authentic there. Everyone, please go follow the Viking boys and learn more about how you too can make eight, what was it? $5,000 an hour while playing Madden? <laughs> 560. 563. 563 dollars right. an hour while playing video games. You're not going to get that in World of Warcraft. Crap. no you're not <laughs> no doubt about that rob any last words no that was a really yep no i'd like to make 560 dollars playing video games so i'll reach out on instagram boom soon. do it we'll, we'll play a little madden a little mono me mono all right this is david green for rob reverse cpr abasolo signing off The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.